Cancel culture is real. CrossPolitik is on the front lines of this battle with the goal of creating a Christian television network and platform where we can't be canceled and where content creators will have the freedom to glorify God. Our goal is to create a space for like-minded businesses to thrive on this platform and to reach an audience that will not only buy your products and services, but also support your business when the heat of cancel culture comes your way. We want our platform to help you create an anti-fragile business as we bring together Christians from all over the world to tune in. With millions of downloads a year, access to DirecTV, Xfinity, and social media outlets, we are excited to partner with you. So, if you own a business and believe in this vision, then you need to call me. I'm Garrison Hardy, and I am the business development rep at CrossPolitik and the Fight, Laugh, Beast Network. We are looking for businesses, large or small, that not only have great products and services, but also understand that the cultural battle that is impacting the business climate here and now. I have a background in marketing, and I'd love to help you advertise your business on CrossPolitik. Give me a call at 208-792-1290 or email me at garrison at fightlaughbeast.com. How many days to the conference? It's kind of, oh, how many days? we got a countdown timer. Oh, you should check let me, that let out. Let check it out right now. Welcome to Cross Politics. See what I did there? Yeah, that was good. You distracted me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm Pastor Toby. Shot to Knox. He's the water boy. <laughs> this, I, is, this is I, wrong. Welcome lo- to the Cross Politics Midweek Fix. <laughs> I love today already. It's just great. It's just. <laughs> this is just wrong. I don't, know, I don't know where the count, countdown thing now, is. Now, hold on. Wait, wait, wait a second. You can't find the countdown? I can't find hey, the Pastor, countdown. Hey, Pastor, who's in charge of the website and stuff? Not, no. Gabe. No. Gabe. Ian. Gabe. Ian. Uh, who, who does Ian work for again? Me. Uh, us. Uh, us. Yeah, Toby. Uh-huh. And, and who did we put in charge of the website stuff? <laughs> this guy. Uh-huh. This guy. I think we took the ticker off, but I'm, uh, there we go. We got, it's September 9th through the 11th. Yes. That's, um, that's all. Wow. There's a lot more on the website than, than before. Like, I'll recommend hotels, all these sponsors. All these speakers. I'm, I'm glad Toby's finally going oh, to the landing wow, page. Look at this. <laughs> well, he went there wow, the first time. <laughs> look. Well, I've been there before, but he's yeah, he, he, been he, working he, on he, stuff. He followed your advice on what to do with the website. So. And, and also, when we're off the show, I got some things run by you guys about oh, that. Oh, well, that's yeah, so yeah. awesome. Right. Yeah. Anyway, I'm so, excited for the conference. I just want to let everybody know right yeah. now, September 9th through 11th, Lebanon, Tennessee. Super oh, pumped for what we're about to talk about. Me and, too. And the other thing I wanted to bring y'all's attention to, this is another one of those things that I just did. Oh, this coffee's good. To you guys. This coffee's really good this morning. Thanks, yeah. Knox. Praise um, God. Is, oh, you know, we've, uh, I've been talking, we've been talking a lot about kind of like Christian economy, Christians doing business with each other, cancel culture, yeah. and all that stuff. Um, uh, I, I just started a, uh, um, a sign-up uh, Google Doc just trying to collect all a business information from all our friends out there who kind of want to, Oh, figure this out with us. So you can show and them stuff. Basically, um, so they can go to uh, Fight Laugh Feast or flfnetwork.com forward slash business. Okay. And and you can just sign up. Basically, I'm just collecting businesses in our audience uh, that understand that, man, you know, Christians need to kind of work together, partner together. They know that Babylon B got canceled from MailChimp. Gab got canceled from banks. And, and so I think over the next kind of 20 years, mm. we need to really be proactive in working with each other. And so, so that um, we don't look like Afghanistan. No. 
Is that what you? Yeah. Is, that, yeah. is that what you? Oh. Is that what you were saying? Well, where cancel culture is already you know, here. Everybody forgot. I mean, nope, they didn't make a big deal of it. But, but Gary Demar with American Vision, they got canceled from PayPal. Yeah, they I did. mean, and it wasn't a yeah. big news because cancel culture wasn't thriving then. But they mm-hmm. just took everything away, and it wasn't just the American yeah. Vision. It was actually Uncle Gary's private account too. They took all that stuff. They took his private account? his private PayPal account was That's gone crazy. as well. Crazy. So wow. they, when they come, they come for everything. Yeah. So wow. I think it's really important. Go to go to flfnetwork.com forward slash business and just sign your business up there. I'm, we're creating kind of a, a business directory of uh, like-minded businesses. And yeah. this is a great way to – Christian free speech mm-hmm. business network. That's I'm going right. to share the show right, right. now. That's oh, and and we got um, – I'm excited about our Sunday special because we got um, the CEO of Red Balloon. Yes, on. Andrew Crappy yeah. Show. Finally. Oh. We're finally getting him in the studio. I have been wanting him in yep. the studio for four years. That's right. And we've for asked him. We've asked years. him a number of times. So – Excited about him coming on. So, yeah. So, uh, for this show, we got a couple guests coming on um, to talk about what's going on kind of in Afghanistan. Kind of in Afghanistan? Yep. Kind of. Kind of. Kind of. Kind of in Afghanistan. Yep. I just ran all that together. Okay. Like a Texan. Kind of. And, um, you know, I was, I was thinking about our, the, those who are 20 years old right now were not alive when the Twin Towers fell. Sure. Um, you know, because it happened September 11th, 2001. We'll be actually at our conference on the 20th anniversary yeah. right. um, in September, this September. Is that a coincidence? No. No, it's not a coincidence. Not a coincidence at all. <laughs> at all. And we're going to be talking about politics of sex. Right. Jihad. You um, know, LGBT jihad. Also not a coincidence. Yeah, exactly. God God just does this. And, and so a lot, so this war has been going on for 20 years. Right. We've spent almost a trillion dollars on this war. Yeah. Yeah. Or at least a trillion. At, 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 well, based on kind of our army budget, I think it's been a, a little under a trillion, but it, it probably has been a lot more than that with everything else. Sure. All the support and all that stuff. So this last week you have um, Biden finishing his withdrawal of, you know. But was it his though? Yeah, right. But was it his? Yeah, it was. Of, of troops, <laughs> and the Taliban is rushing in. Like like in minutes. Like Yeah, like the ocean tide. Yeah. Just coming on in. No resistance. Right. Uh, and everything. And, and, you, and on July 9th, I meant to play this video on my news brief yesterday, this clip on my news brief today. Uh, but on July 9th, I believe, Biden was talking about the pullout and all that stuff. And he said, oh, you know, he was asked, you know, well, aren't the Taliban just going to take back over? And he said, no, that's not going to happen. Yeah, it doesn't um, seem likely. It doesn't yeah. seem likely. Right. You know, we got 3,000. We've trained 300,000 troops uh, uh, in Afghanistan. We've given them all sorts of resources, money, tanks. Right. They have a – Biden said they have an air force right. now. <laughs> yeah, that we gave them? That we gave the Taliban, basically. Which now, now the Taliban has. The well, Taliban has hey, an air force. Hey, according to the press secretary – or the um, who was it? The Pentagon press secretary, they can't speak on that, so they don't know for sure. <laughs> Is that what he said? <laughs> Unless those planes somehow disappeared, yeah. <laughs> or they destroyed them. Wow! I don't know, but it, it, if at least though, I would expect him to say it seems that we don't have those planes. And but are they going to be inclusive? Who? <laughs> Who? The Taliban? Yeah, I heard they're going to include takeover of everybody. <laughs> I heard. Exactly. I heard Biden said they had to be inclusive, and he said, "And we're counting to three. Yeah, well, one. 
you know, that's one of the things when we talk to our quarter, <laughs> go to your room. <laughs> you know, this is this has been a little interesting. I mean, they, it's not like the Taliban hasn't said some of this before, but it's been interesting to see that the Taliban right now is acting like they want to be a part of the world game. Right. Right. They act like they want to be brought in. So they're promising a lot. Um, as they're moving in and taking over, because over the last 20 years with American presence there, you've had a lot more women involved in the culture of Afghanistan. You got women who are in the political scene. You have women who are working and, and who are in, also in ways reporters. that would not be allowed in traditional right. conservative Islam. Right. Exactly. And so we call that conservative Islam. I mean, well, you know, yeah, I yeah. Mean, absolutely. Like yeah. by the book, by the Quran. Yeah. You know, okay. Yeah. W- the, women are like, I just don't like the word conservative like there. cattle. Well, Oof. yeah, exactly. In the Quran. So they're promising now, though, that that was the old them. There's a new them, and, yeah. and those old things won't be that way. Uh, Although, uh, they're already firing women <laughs> as it relates in, in, the, in the industry. Well, they're, they're spray-painting over uh, uh, all the marketing photos of women on the street markets and stuff yeah. like that already. Yeah. yeah. So, the, so the question is that I want to ask some of the guys we talked to today is what is the – if there is a new Taliban, if there is a new form of Islam, what does it yeah. look like who, in Afghanistan? Yeah. Who are who are these um, people, and yeah, what do they believe? What's driving um, this? And is it possible that they can actually get along with the West? No, no, it, it's a way to be subversive. Of course, yeah, that's right, how. That's what right. I believe. I mean, that, of course, that's, that's what I'm thinking. If I if I understand what I understand about Islam, this is a great chance and opportunity for them to be able to be subversive. Right. Well, first guest today. Wait, he's coming up. He, he was there. Up. He was yeah. there. Mr. James Raymond, the director of I'm going to botch this Al Madai Initiative. It's Al Maida Initiative. Al Maida. Al Maida Initiative, a Christian nonprofit in Seattle that facilitates friendship and worldview conversations between Christians and Muslims without compromising the truth. Uh, James, thanks for joining us on Cross Politic. Hey, thanks for having me here, guys. Good to see you again. Yeah, good to see you too, yes, James. Sir. So, James, who are the Taliban? And what do they believe and what do you believe are their goals? So I think before we talk about um, who the Taliban are, it's important to understand the sort of modern state of Islam in general. We should not think of Islam like Protestant Christianity, right? I think Mm. the default assumption we have is that there are liberal Muslims and conservative Muslims and the conservative Muslims read the Quran, read the sort of source materials faithfully, and the liberal ones just kind of <laughs> ignore it. Okay. Um, Islam today is a lot like medieval Catholicism with no papacy. Okay. So, like, the, the entire system is based on having this pyramid, these pyramids of leadership and scholars and traditions, which everyone underneath those is expected to not question. Okay. And the Taliban represents one specific set of those. Now, um, if you ask most Afghans, they're going to say that the Taliban has nothing to do with Islam. It has nothing to do with the Quran. But you will find that the Taliban are connected to a very old tradition in Islam, um, going back to a guy called Ibn Hanbal, then going through a guy called um, Ibn Tamir, who certainly live in different circumstances than the Taliban do. They're living under the Mongol invasion. Um, But the Taliban have long historic roots, but it's not as simple as, oh yeah, they read the Quran, the other people don't. Because if you read the Quran, there's no concise narrative to it. It's all kind of, you know, prose poetry ordered Mm -hmm. from longest to shortest, right? Very little 
uh, very few movements in Islam actually come out of a direct reading of the Quran. There's like you know six or seven people who are like Quranist Muslims. Okay, it's more than that. I know one of them, and I've only ever met one out of hundreds of Muslims at this point. Wow. Okay. So so who so given that it's it's not a maybe a conservative liberal a spectrum. Um, what's the Taliban then? For, for people who, you know, it's like, so who are these people? Just, you know, there's, there's people with guns? I mean, who, who are they? So basically, um, a lot of the sort of modern Taliban movement comes from this mix of this sort of historic uh, stream of Islam mixed with these guys who are fighting the Soviets in the 80s, mm-hmm. right? Freedom fighters. Um, free, freedom fighters. So you have, you have, um, so you have the Salafi movement, um, which starts in Saudi Arabia, but really finds its roots in Egypt in a lot of ways. Um, and you have, and you have a, a combination of two guys. You've got a guy called uh, Ayman al-Zawari and then Osama bin Laden. Al-Zawari was the original brains of the operation, an Egyptian guy, and Osama bin Laden, the Saudi guy, kind of work together to uh, bring organization to freedom fighters um, in, in Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. Right, so this this Salafi movement, which takes root in Saudi Arabia, Egypt, and Pakistan, and just sort of kind of goes out from there, mm-hmm. mixed with the political uh, political things going on in the eighties with the Soviet Un- the Soviet Union's invasion of Afghanistan, and then you have all the formulation for the modern Taliban. Right, yep. but it's not just reactionary. So it, it, they are reacting to the Soviet Union, and P- and. We help fund that resistance to the Soviet Union yep. um, as a country. I mean, you. I'm British. Um, <laughs> but whatever. Where are you? Are you, you paying are, taxes now? Aren't you in Seattle? <laughs> Don't you? Yes, yeah, so I'm in Seattle, which is Seattle's like right next to America. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I'll give you that. Yeah, yeah, well, people right. people right. don't realize that we helped fund and and arm the freedom fighters back in the eighties against right. Russia. Russia. This yeah. is a Cold War and, thing. It was a Cold Cold War thing, and and um, uh, Osama bin Laden was we were giving him the guns. Right. We we tr- in some so, sense so we what, funded where the Taliban are at now. We helped them kind of um, uh, uh, come together and form what they have now in some sense. But so help me understand that what's driving them? Like what motivates these this whole this coalition that you're describing of freedom fighters and and whatever? What motivates them? What drives them? What's their dominion theology? <laughs> so just real quick. So the Taliban are a branch of the freedom fighters. Got it. Um I I know people here in Seattle who were mujahideen, right? Warriors against the Soviets. Mm-hmm. Those people were united by a desire to get rid of the Soviets. Okay, and the Taliban of people relate, uh, um, who were united by a very specific version of Salafi okay. Islam of the freedom fighters. Right? Okay, so, so they're theologically they're theologically driven. What and right? what what is that theology? So the the basic theology is right that the Islam used to be the world's greatest civilization, and the, the, and that was lost. And the reason that was lost is because of compromises with the world. And uh, in, this, in this circumstance, namely the West, but not only that, right? Mm-hmm. So the idea is that by compromising the world, we lose our integrity as a civilization and then collapse. Mm-hmm. And so you have this idea in Salafi Islam, right? Salaf means a follower. 
So there's this idea that the first three generations, Muhammad's generation, their kids and their grandkids, are like the best people who ever lived. Yeah. And by going, combing through the Hadith, combing through the traditions and trying to emulate those people, then that's the way to live the best life on earth. So they believe by getting back to that system of government, that system of living, that system of justice, that system of truth, then that's going to be the best world for Afghanistan. So they're trying to conform it to this very specific vision of the Hadith um, that they've received through their specific set of scholars. Got it. So James, what you know and what you understand about Islam and the Taliban right now, what is it that you see when you see Afghanistan right now, America's leaving, whole place is in turmoil, you see the planes where people are trying to get out of there or praising the leaving of America and still trying to figure out things that's kind of mixed bag there. What is it that scares you about what's happening right now with the Taliban coming in taking power in Afghanistan? So the, the, the thing that scares me most here, and I wouldn't say I'm especially scared, but the thing that concerns me um, is actually, actually, the easiest way to explain it is um, Matthew 24, sorry, Matthew 12, 43 through 45, mm. where Jesus says, when the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest but finds none. Then it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, I'll find the house empty, swept, and put in order. Then it goes and brings with it seven other spirits more evil than itself. And they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that person is worse than the first. So also it will be with this evil generation. So we, as a country, went into Afghanistan. I like how you said we there. Just yeah, well, that was in England too, right? It's NATO. Yeah, okay. NATO. All right. <laughs> <laughs> all of us. Um, we, the, the West went into Afghanistan, um, got rid of the Taliban, and had nothing substantial to replace it with. Because secularism takes this trimmed down version of Christian values without the roots and, and tries to right. plant it in the soil of this Islamic world. Mm-hmm. So what, it's, what that's meant is you, ha- you do have some people in Afghanistan who sincerely want education, freedom, equality, um, freedom of expression. They, they genuinely want all those things and they love those things, but they don't actually know how to build them in their own society. Mm. Because secularism, it may be able to communicate some of those things, but not to the extent that you can hold on to them and fight for them when you're being charged by 300 Taliban gunmen, huh. right? At that point, it's just every man to his own tent. Mm-hmm. So, th- so what we've given them is rootless Christianity. And unfortunately, right, we can't just blame secularism here. The church itself has not been able to articulate how a Christian society lives, how a Christian society functions. You better preach. We've had absolutely nothing to add to the Afghan society, right? So mm. what you have is this foundationless mix of Islam, Christian, Christianity, and secularism, mm. which is not cohesive. So it just can't, it can't stand up, right? This, this kind of like, um, yeah, I, this kind of things that have been kind of, put together in a lab 
can't stand up to these guys who have thought about their worldview for mm. 20 years while hiding in caves. Mm. Um, so we, we cast out the demon um, and we replaced it with nothing. And now the demon's coming back, emboldened, mm. more powerful than ever, with more weapons. Wow. So that, that we gave them. That, yeah, that yep. we helped. Yeah, yeah. so yeah, well, we, now they have their airplanes. Well, we helped them build secularism. So yeah. help me then. How does a military power come in and then give them something substantial? Is that even their responsibility and duty? No, I think um, a military power can't do that. Right. Um, the kingdom of God is what Afghanistan needs, mm. and the nice. kingdom of God can't be imposed by military force. Right. Like, that's just not the way it works. It has to happen through heart and mind level transformation. Uh, you can't, you know, you can't get rid of corruption in the country by pouring money into it. Right. It actually just makes it worse. Right. Uh, unless you have the fundamental transformation of hearts and minds, then nothing can work. So, um, you know, we're dealing with a situation as Christians with military presence in um, in places already, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so we should, we as Christians, can't put our hope in the U.S. military to transform nations. Mm-hmm. But we have a role in that, right? We can come alongside people from these nations, Afghans living in our communities, um, people from these countries living in our communities, and share with them the biblical worldview and explain to them how the Bible says that our hearts are transformed. Right. How the Bible says we can be free from corruption. How the Bible says we should lead and serve. And that is the hope for the transformation of the Middle East. But unfortunately, what Christians in the West have done is just provide Christianity as a means of escapism, not in building nations. Yeah. Well, we're doing that in our own culture. We're doing yeah. that in, our, in America right now. It's yes, a form sir. of escapism. So if I'm hearing you right, James, is, would it be accurate to say um, that what we are witnessing right now is the triumph um, of a stronger God? I mean, is, is Allah stronger than secularism? Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Um, I mean, we're, we're trying to fight with these flimsy false gods. And going, yeah. Allah is a false God too. Right. Um, but it seems like secularism like, doesn't have the loyalty. Doesn't, like, secularism doesn't have, it doesn't go down deep enough. It, it says you're a bag of, of molecules that doesn't really matter and you're going to die in a few years. And nothing matters, whereas at least Allah presents a, a, a picture of transcendence. It's and, false. And it's sovereign. full of lies, but it's sovereign. It's full of dominion. Yeah. It's full of meaning and future. And, and that tr- is triumphing over our weak secular gods. So what you're going to have in Islam is you're going to have um, some of the same foundations, right? Like there is one God. Right. There is a creator. There is absolute right and wrong. God has spoken, and his spoken word dictates how we should live and function. And then a, and then a departure from um, Christianity and, and biblical revelation by the way it approaches you know, human nature, how it approaches, um, how it approaches um, God's nature, right? So right. some similar common themes with a departure, right? So the, the, we don't disagree that there's a God who sets up right and wrong. Right. We disagree as to what a man is, who God is, and how we're made right with that God. Mm. Right, right. And, and secularism, 
uh, has no claim to truth. Right. Like, like yeah. uh, the, the, the claim to truth is we have no truth. Right. There, you know, everybody has their own truth. Truth doesn't exist. And so that no wonder uh, a bigger God like do this you, can come along and, and do James, that. James, do you think that it's possible that something like this, so we, we're focusing on sort of maybe like what's the future of Afghanistan look like? Is it possible that, you know, I mean, there's, there's whiffs in, our, in the West. There's whiffs in, in America um, that um, believing Christians, Christians who believe in the sovereignty of Christ over all, there's whiffs of actually pushing us together and, and, and likening us to the Taliban. Is there any chance that, um, that there's a, a backlash of any sort where we are, because of some of the similarities you're talking about, um, we start getting more uh, pressure because we're not secularists, because we're not helping them? I, I think that's I think that's certainly possible. Um, I, I think there's gonna there's always inevitably going to be comparisons between um, Christians and the Taliban, and I think it's actually really really important that we we not be sort of um, reactive. That um, secularism, when it talks about people, right, it talks about people who are either they believe that people are innately good. Unless, of course, they're pure evil. <laughs> right. Right. Um, and so it can't explain human nature. Mm-hmm. It can't explain sin. Mm-hmm. Right? So the people in the Taliban are image bearers of God with good things about them and bad things about them. And we can't fall into the secular trap of thinking that they're the devil and we, the West, are angels. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. We have to um, see the Taliban as people. Mm. And, but, and, and so, the, so, so when somebody compares us as Christians with the Taliban, then I think it's like, then it, it, we don't want to play, fall into that game of like, oh, no, no, we're angels like you. Right. Um, right. It's like no, no, no. Uh, your your sinners like us. Yeah. Right. Except, except yeah. you repent, you also will likewise perish. Right. <laughs> it's kind of. <laughs> yeah. So so James, I want to ask last question before you go. We've lost, lost, and what we're seeing right now is is that we we've lost twenty years in Afghanistan. Oh. Right now, if the American government came to you and said, James, we repent. We don't know what just happened. We've lost twenty years. What would you recommend that we do? Because we we kind of broke Afghanistan. How do we fix it? Okay, I'm going to drink something. Um, uh, <laughs> um, so I think, um, I think we have to take responsibility for the people who we've kind of tricked into putting our, their hope in us, mm-hmm. right? Um, and we have to do whatever we can to provide a future for them. So I think... Mm, what the good, US, James. what the what the U.S. government should probably do at this point is they need a plan to take care of the refugees, um, and I think they should probably think outside of the box. I think they should buy some land in a nearby country and just kind of create a modern Afghan city state for uh, the people who have have left. Failing that, you know, um, bring them here, but. There are problems in Afghan society that go beyond the Taliban, right? Yeah. And it's things that the government cannot fix, but it has an obligation to help the people. And it cannot help the people, 
<laughs> so the, this is and this is the problem with the government trying to do things that it doesn't have the power to do. Right. Um, but we, as the church, do have the power to do something about this. Right now, whatever anyone thinks about immigration policy, there are people living in our cities who we can we can reach out to with the love and truth of Jesus that we can invest in the Afghans living here in America mm-hmm. as the church. We can welcome them as we were commanded to, but we can also uh, speak truth to them. And, and the, the Muslim world right now is full of so many hungry people who are desperate for something of more substance, mm-hmm. right? That the, the Taliban has substance, and it's and it, but it's bad substance, and they don't want any part of that. Right. But then they they believe they don't want secularism either, um, because right. they see what's going on there. There's no substance. There's no substance there. Right. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to kind of build a version of Islam, which gives them that substance mm. without going to the Taliban. Mm. Right. And they're sort of stuck in the middle. And they're just sort of trying to build their own version of it. Wow. So this is, this is where Christians need to come in and explain what the Bible says, who Jesus is, and how it's different from either radical yeah. Islam or, or secularism. secularism. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What an opportunity. Um, what an yeah. op- what an op- right. I mean, we live in this moment, and God's given, like, and we yeah. given us an opportunity, opportunity right to now. love our neighbors and to share Christ with them. Um, James, how can people be following what you're up to? Um, so you can either follow me on um, any podcast catcher. It's the Almeida Initiative podcast. You're just going to have to learn how to spell it from the screen here. Hit Almeida Initiative. There we go. Um, A-L-M-A-I-D-A-H. Almeida for our audio Listen, it's like the worst thing to explain to Christians, but Muslims see it and immediately get it. Okay. So we're on YouTube. We're on iTunes and all the sort of, uh, podcast catches okay. and um, if anybody would like me to come sort of help you guys like meet the muslims in your city um hit me up you can do that through our website at almeida.org very good that's awesome james really appreciate you brother keep yep. up the good work all right thanks guys thanks for having me yeah you bet bye, bye james have fun he came here and without before we could even get I don't know. I don't know how long James was here, but he found like all the Muslims in the city. <laughs> no lie, yeah. he found like, and there's not a lot. I can tell you, there's not a lot, and he found all of them. Yeah. and somehow he just has a Pray, sniffer to find. Praise them. God! Praise yeah. God for for brothers like James giving their lives to this kind of work. Yes. Hey, yeah. we're not done yet on the midweek fix. This is a twofer. With us now, we have Mr. Jeremy Stallnecker. He's the executive director of the Mighty Oaks Foundation. Mighty Oaks Foundation is dedicated to helping America's military warriors and their families suffering from the unseen wounds of combat like PTSD. Jeremy went on active duty commission in 1999 and 2003 with the 5th Marines as part of the 1st Marine Division. He deployed to Kuwait um, and part of what would become Operation Iraqi Freedom, later occupied Baghdad, while in the Marine Corps, God was working in Jeremy's life to turn him to full-time ministry. who pastored for a number of years before accepting this position at the Mighty Oaks Foundation. He's married to Suzanne, and they have four children. Jeremy, thanks for coming back to Cross Politic. Great to be on with you guys again. Appreciate it. Yeah, man. It's been a while. It has been a while. It's, I was hoping you were having me on to talk about something simple like 
mode of baptism or tribulation uh, <laughs> rapture, something like that. But you're going for something complicated. We kind of so. settled all those, though. <laughs> <laughs> Presbyterians did that a long time ago. And that's why yeah. I thought you were having me on to kind of clean some of that up. Yeah. <laughs> <That's all right. laughs> well, yeah, we actually wonder if you repented yet. Are you <laughs> moving this way? Or? The world is upside down right now. Yeah. Yes, oh, sir. Oh, my exactly goodness. Exactly where God wants it to be at. <laughs> so, so, Jeremy, did we break Afghanistan? Did we break Afghanistan? That's a great question. Your last guest, uh, man, just the part I heard was incredible. Uh, his perspective was amazing. Yeah. Did we break Afghanistan? We broke a lot of people in Afghanistan. We did what Americans have done for a long time. We went into a culture that is thousands of years old that's been doing the same thing uh, since they were established as a culture. They're very tribal. That hasn't changed. We went into a place and tried to westernize it. It didn't work, just like it's never worked. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. In the process of that, though, we gave hope to a lot of folks who were oppressed. Uh, Something like 60,000 Afghan National Army soldiers have died in the last 20 years fighting this this battle with us. Wow. Um, How many did you say? 60,000. Something like 60,000, yeah. Wow. Um, So we're we're looking at folks going, well, they ran, they're afraid, they don't want to fight. We pulled all their support out, and, you know, they went back to where they came from. But um, we, in the process of going there, trying to rebuild the nation, caused or convinced a lot of folks to put faith in the United States and then pulled the plug on them. And uh, a lot of, you know, good men and women um, in terms of their support for us and their desire for liberty and freedom and a new world and to throw off oppression uh, have been abandoned. So, so did we break the country? No. But did we break a lot of people in the country? Yes. Okay. Okay. So you kind of already answered this a little bit, but it, it, I mean, it seems like, I mean, the president or I, I think that's what they call him. Uh, of the of Afghan like left and fled very quickly in all this and and obviously there was little resistance from any sort of military that we trained over there you mentioned right. um you know why did why did that why was there such little resistance and why did the president leave so fast what what's going on there yeah i've had uh, i work with a lot of folks just in the work that we do and i know a lot of people who um, early on, you know, 20 years ago, we're working with the Afghan National Army, providing training and have continued to provide training and support. Our role in Afghanistan, particularly in the last several years from Bagram, has not been an active combat role, but an active support role. Mm-hmm. And so the, the boots on the ground, if you will, are Afghan National Army or Afghan National Police. They're the ones maintaining order. But every level of support has come from the United States and the coalition, really, of, of countries from around the world that are at Bagram providing support, whether it's, you know, logistical support, it's air support, it's munitions, it's weapons, it's everything that you would need to fight the Taliban. Until a month ago, most of the Taliban that we're seeing in Kabul and around the country were hiding in the mountains of Pakistan and hiding in uh, caves. They were not present because... The Afghan National Army, Afghan National Police were there on the ground, supported by, um, you know, us and other nations. When we pulled out, what we pulled out was all of that support. And so, except for the weapons that they had, the ammunition that they could carry, and what little logistic support they also maintained, they had nothing. There was no backstop. There was no hope. There was no one else coming. And so, you know, from a, a soldier who was pulled out of a village at some point and trained who never wanted to be a soldier but became one, who was doing what we taught them to do, who was supported by us, who now looked around and went, I'm alone. 
Um, wow. Right or wrong, they went back to where they came from. But that's that's 300,000 people, though. I mean, so it wasn't like they were alone alone, though, right? I mean, I guess outside – something that did shock me, what you just said, was like if they only have ammunition they can carry, well – that's yeah. that's I'd be thinking about my situation, too, if I only had a few shots and I start a fight and I don't have nothing to finish it up with. Yeah. I mean, if, is, is that the situation they were in? Like if they could fight, they would be a short lived fight because they didn't have that. That's what you mean by support. Right. Again, we're looking at, you know, thousands of years of history. It's extremely tribal. It's, you know, very focused on the village from which you come, where you have your church, you have your family. Everyone there is a part of your tribe. And this is not new to them. The warring factions, the warring um, tribes, the Taliban, whatever they've been called for the last couple thousand years, yeah. have done mm. the same thing. And when they regain support because we're gone, when we give them Bagram Air Base, which is it's insane, not only that we let them have the base, but that we left everything there for them to take. Mm. Uh, the handwriting was on the wall. These folks are not new to this. 20 years is a long time for us. It's nothing to them. Mm. And so they looked at it and went, we have no hope. We're going home. So is right or wrong. That's what happened. Is part of what you're saying with the tribe thing. That's, that's helpful. Are you saying that, I mean, do they even understand themselves to be a country like we would? I mean, do they think of mm. Afghanistan as a nation or that is worth fighting for? Or do they think of themselves in a more like I'm part of this tribe that happens to right. be in this land? Is that what you're getting at? That is more how they operate and how they think. Yes, it's very okay. tribal, which is why we've had problems in Afghanistan since the beginning yeah. trying to establish a government. And so we put a president in place. We we do all of the things we would do here in the West, and it doesn't hold because it never has. And we gave him a bunch of money, and so he fled. And so, so <laughs> yeah, I, I, we'll get to whether or not we should be there or how long we should have been there, but... So are you telling me that the Taliban just basically waited us out? They're used to this long stint of period, a thousand years, whatever it is that goes on. This has been going on for a long time. When they said, oh, look, America's pulling out, they were like, this is our time to come out of the mountains and to go back and achieve uh, ownership of Afghanistan? Afghanistan is known as the graveyard of nations, and there's a reason for that. Wow. Civilizations, powerful nations, Russia, Great Britain, <laughs> others before them. Um, going back at least two thousand years, yeah, have come have come into have come into Afghanistan, and uh, the Afghans with very little in terms of armament or support at different times. You know, they've had support from China, they've had support from other nations, but they figure it out. Uh, they ran out of bullets, so they started constructing bombs that you know became what we call IEDs, improvised explosive devices. Mm-hmm. Uh, they string wire from one mountaintop to another to take down helicopters. Uh, they know how to fight a long-term, long-scale, weighted-out war, and mm. that's what they've done. Yeah, again, we look at timelines very differently in the West. Uh, this means nothing to them. They won. They knew it would happen. They knew eventually we'd lose our stomach for it, and here we are. <laughs> so is what is happening in Afghanistan um, parallel to or mirror of what happened in Iraq when, when Obama pulled out? Uh, yes. The difference is where it's located. I think it's, you know, much more isolated. Um, the countries around it support the Taliban and support what's happening there. Iraq is very fractured. It's interesting, actually, in Iraq. There's a lot more stability in Iraq than there is in Afghanistan right? Uh, because of where it's located. And the countries around Iraq need for it to be stable. The countries around Afghanistan just want us gone. And 
So it's a different situation. Yeah. Could it end up the same? It could, but the motivation is different. Interesting. So, Jer- Jeremy, help me understand this. If if you were if you're 20 years old now, or 21 years old, you've been living in a supported Afghanistan by America. America supported Afghanistan. Your world has been completely different um, than it's ever been probably in the last 40 years. The next 20 years that are coming, what does that look like for someone who knew America as the background, the setup for Afghanistan? What does that next 20 years look like with the Taliban leading Afghanistan? That's an interesting question. I, I don't know the answer to it. I think the conclusion that those 20-year-olds and those people who are there have come to um, considering the fact that they have gone home, that the president has left, that they've allowed it to collapse in a matter of weeks, the conclusion they've come to is that it's going to be exactly what it was before the United States showed up mm. at the end of uh, 2001. And, you know, they're probably right. Again, we, we fail to take into account culture <laughs> and an understanding of culture and how we've lived and how we've been raised and what we've been taught is right and wrong. And religion certainly plays a part in that. Um, that frames their entire worldview and they're responding based on that worldview. And so I don't know what it will look like, but I think they have concluded that it will look like what it did before we came. And this will all happen again at some point. Are the, are the Taliban, um, are they just like the strongest uh, tribe or strongest group in Afghanistan? Are they the are, are they the only people who really care about kind of you know controlling everything? Yeah, they're certainly the most violent, um, and there are other factions. Uh, over the last you know even twenty years, we've seen these factions come together. We've supported one and pushed them against the other. Uh, early on, we supported some in the Taliban to uh, get us into regions that we needed to be in, um, so that we could provide stability to our own troops. Uh, so these. These factions, they go back and forth. They have different names over time, and they they have um, over the last 50 years. Um, But the Taliban currently is, yes, the most, uh, the strongest terrorist presence there. They have the gun (laughs) and the guns and the will, and so people are responding to that. Who's al-Qaeda in all this, and what's their role in Afghan? Uh, Yeah, that's a great question. That would probably have been really good for your last guest. Um, (laughs) The Taliban and Al-Qaeda are very closely aligned, except when they're not. And right now they're not. Um, Al-Qaeda, as I understand it, provides a lot of support to the Taliban and to different factions of the Taliban uh, when it's needed. Um, They would be more political than the Taliban. And uh, in Iraq, we're dealing with a lot of Al-Qaeda and very little of the Taliban. Um, But uh, philosophically, they are aligned. It, it comes down to a question of power. Who's going to be in charge? Who's going to be in control? In Iraq, it's al-Qaeda. In uh, Afghanistan, it's the Taliban. So after, after 9-11, which was what we've been, we've used that as our justification to go into Afghanistan to get Osama bin Laden. After, should we have been in Afghanistan for this long? Or if we did have to go there to get him, what should that have looked like? Yeah. Or should we have even been in Afghanistan? If you were the general... Or the commander in chief. <laughs> Boy, things would be different. Um, yeah, so this is a really complicated question. And I know we're all getting tired of hearing people say this is a really complicated question. <laughs> but I, I'll say this we as Americans needed to respond to 9 11. And what we needed to do was to find and kill, um, capture if we needed to, but find and kill those who were responsible for the attacks uh, in New York City. Right, 100%. Uh, We went there. 
And we did that. And this is one of the things that I struggle with. I had a call from one of my former Marines yesterday and uh, he was on the phone. He's crying. He's like, this is just breaking my heart. I've served in Afghanistan. A lot of other folks that we know have served in Afghanistan and all they're hearing from the administration and from news pundits is we've lost, we lost everything. It was a waste of time. We shouldn't have been there. Um, when we went to Afghanistan, we went there with a very specific, very clear objective, a very clear mission. <laughs> and we did a good job. We killed a lot of bad guys. We eventually found Osama bin Laden and killed him as well. And in the process of time, we prevented another 9-11 from happening on our shores. We disrupted a terrorist network uh, that would have done a 9-11 type of attack again. So should we have gone? I believe we should have. I believe we did the right thing. Iraq, a different question. I was in Iraq. Um, I don't think we should have gone into Iraq. I think the timing was wrong. But in Afghanistan, with a narrow focus on terrorists who killed you know, more than 3,000 Americans, yes, we should have been there and we did the right thing. Should we then have transitioned into a period of nation building? No, I don't think so. We had an objective. We should have been happy <laughs> with accomplishing that. Mm -hmm. um, even though it took us a while to get to Osama bin Laden, um, we shouldn't have built up the way that we did. All the things that we've seen happen again in the last 20 years should not have happened. But then there's the next part. <laughs> uh, but it did. Right. Yeah. And in the process of mm -hmm. time, we established Bagram Air Base, which is strategically located. Uh, it's close to China. It's close to Russia. It's close to Iran. It put us in a position where we could ensure stability in that region. And it wasn't just us. We had just over 3,000 troops there for the last several years. Um, we were not in active combat. It wasn't, you know, what we think of as war. It was stabilization. It was support for the Afghan National Army that was there. And it wasn't just us. There were other countries of the world that were there as well. So should we have stayed as long as we did? No, but we did. And I believe at some point the mission changed. We should have maintained what we had, which was a stability uh, force and location. Um, the purpose of the military is to project, if we need to, power, but certainly to protect the citizens of the United States. Yeah. And Bagram Air Base allowed us to do both of those things with a very small footprint having a national coalition that could make all of it happen. So um, we should have been there. We shouldn't have stayed. We did stay. Yeah. <laughs> we established something very strategic, yeah. and we should have held on to so, it. So what is um, – do you think there ever should have been a pullout? You're, you know, basically, if, if this is a strategic location that we shouldn't have abandoned yeah. – does that mean we just don't pull out, or, or what does that look like? Yeah, I think there should there should have been a, a drawdown, which there was, yeah. and um, we should have pulled out the majority of our troops. Uh, it's crazy, right? We look at other places that we've been, and you know, correlation is is sometimes messy. But we still have eighty thousand troops in Japan, eighty thousand, wow. <laughs> forty thousand in Germany, thirty thousand in South Korea, and and the rightness or wrongness of that, I, I understand the situations were different, but. It's not unprecedented historically for the United States to go somewhere to maintain a force in presence so that if we have to respond somewhere around the globe, we can. Um, and everywhere we do it right, and those countries, I think, are examples of us doing it right, stability has been, been maintained. And yet the operation functionally is is done by the country that, that hosts us. Hmm. And the same could have been done in Afghanistan. Should yeah, we have so withdrawn? No. 
yeah. or, or yes, <laughs> but it should have been a draw down where we left troops in so, place. So I'm gonna I'm gonna put my my conspiracy theory hat on for okay, a second. Hey, hey, cynical, I'm but, cynical. But, you got that tinfoil hat ready for me, Neil? Um, <laughs> I'll keep mine under the table. So, but like, yo, know, we we back out, and almost right away, I'm China. hearing reports that China yeah. is cozying yeah. up. And I'm wondering, and especially in light of what you just said, Jeremy, where you're saying, like, it's routine for us to maintain very sizable forces in other countries. And I'm, and, and it's like, wait, 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 what? Um, so, I mean, what do you see going on with this China play? And what are the chances that there's backroom deals going on saying you all pull out and we'll take yeah. it from here? I think it's one of two things. <laughs> uh, I'm not an expert. This is my opinion. Sure. Just, just I think be a little cynical. That's okay. Okay, I'm very cynical. I think it's one of two things. I think we either have an extremely incompetent administration. <laughs> Sorry. Or, we do. <laughs> I mean, that's still present. I mean. Or China is, is pulling the strings and making this happen. I guess there's a third option. Yes. It's both. You mean yes. like the NBA? No. <laughs> like, I, I, my personal opinion yeah. is that the Biden administration is trying to meet some kind of a timeline tied to the 20th anniversary of 9-11. And in spite of the fact that the intel community, that the military community, the Department of Defense have been telling them, if you do this, this is what's going to happen. Right. In spite of all of that, they, the administration, have tried to make a political play that the worst possible outcome came. Yeah. And China is taking advantage of our weakness. I, I don't know that it was you know, a collaborative effort that they were sitting in a, in a room yeah. somewhere making a decision to do this. But I think China, again, understands patience, understands the American will to be somewhere for a long time and that we just don't have it. They knew this was going to happen. There's minerals there. There's weapons there. There's access there. They need to be there. They were there before we so, went in there, but, and they're taking advantage of it. But, Jeremy, like, I'm just I'll push on you. I know this is, like, this is not your play, but I'm going to push on you anyways. Um, yeah. what, but so, like, um, but why... Why pull out completely? What was the political what, what, like? What's the benefit? What's yeah. the advantage? Like yeah. again, given our presence in all these other countries, like yep. why not just maintain a base? Why pull out completely? Uh, again, my opinion yeah. is that the Democratic Party does not understand, um, you know, national security, international security, or strategic military effort, okay. and well, they're. Polling led to a place where they said um, what our constituents, what our voters want is for us to be out of Afghanistan. Okay. And, and Trump was responding to the same thing, by the yeah, way. Yeah, sure. he was. Sure. I mean, yeah. the, the United States is tired of being in Afghanistan. We don't want to be there. So we use phrases like pull out. We use phrases like, you know, we shouldn't be there. We talk about all of these things. Mm -hmm. um, now, what Trump would have done, I don't, I don't have any idea. Sure. Um, well, he was doing it. He, he was pulling out. But would he have done it this way? I don't think he would have. Yeah. Well, according um, to Biden. Well, that's true. And, and, <laughs> you know, and it, what I've appreciated about Biden is he's never changed one thing that Trump had put in motion up to this point. So, <laughs> that is true. He always does exactly what, I'm, what Trump I'm glad says. He's, I'm glad he stayed consistent. It's been really, really good of him to do that. So, Jerry, yeah, well, and this is the head scratcher, right? Like, what is the gain? Yeah. Uh, it, was, it was President Obama that takes responsibility for killing Osama bin Laden. Right. And whether he did, whether he was responsible or not, Right. He gets to say he did. Right. So why aren't the Democrats claiming victory? <laughs> why aren't they going through a process of very carefully making sure that this doesn't happen? Mm -hmm. uh, I, I don't have any idea. Yeah, I, I guess I'm a little challenged by that because for, for the Democrats to actually listen to their constituents would mean that there would be a change 
in their whole operating process. So I don't know if they would actually do that. Yeah. And the fact that they're actually opportunists as well, if they can get some of that um, New Deal or the Green New Deal over there and some of that money right. overseas just to tie people up, they would totally do that. So it's I'm actually kind of with Toby. Like, this is a really interesting play for them. It's not so, so just one more thing before you go here. I just want to ask you. I got one more thing, too. Oh, okay. Two more Sorry. things before you go here. <laughs> we got time. Um, oh, do we? Okay. Jeremy, you got time? Um, <laughs> I got as much time as you want. <laughs> I always want to know when everybody's talking about the same thing and everybody's looking in the same direction. I always want to know what are we missing? Yeah. You know, and I just want to with with your perspective, you have a good insight into all of this. What is it that you see that we're really missing in all of this? I, I wish I knew. I, that's a great question. And yeah. I wish I knew what we were missing. I. <laughs> it's funny. We we're just talking in the office today. Um the next thing that's going to happen is a complete national lockdown because of COVID again to get our attention off of this thing. Yeah. I don't have any idea, <laughs> but there is a shell game being played. I just don't know what's under the shells. Yeah. And yeah, I feel that. You're absolutely right. I, there, there's something going on. I, I mean, you want other numbers. There are 10,000 Americans in Afghanistan right now trying to get out. Wow. 10,000. <laughs> yeah. That's horrible. I mean, we haven't just abandoned Afghans who pledged their support to us and will now die because of it. Wow. We've abandoned... Uh, pastors, we've abandoned uh, abandoned missionaries, we've oh. ab- uh, abandoned you know children, <laughs> we've abandoned ten thousand Americans. Wow. Wow. And, and so, what else is at play? That's the question. I don't know. Yeah, Jeremy, you mentioned um, mm. earlier that you know you had a phone call with a, a service member. Yeah, I'm, I'm imagining you're getting a lot of phone calls, uh, right. a lot of emails, a lot of messages um, where. Um, and this is the center of your Mighty Oaks ministry is reaching right. out to those who have served and given, and many are feeling like we failed. What, was my time there worth it? Um, and so on. And what what are you telling them? What what is the message that you want to get out to these people who have sacrificed so much time, so much energy, energy lost friends, and so on? Um, what's the message that you're trying to get out right now? Yeah. This is a, a great question. We are fielding a lot of questions about this right now. Uh, not questions, but folks calling and reaching out saying, what do we do? And yeah. I feel terrible. and I don't know how to process this. Um, I'll say a couple of things. And if you'll give me the liberty to say this first thing, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know one service member who went into the United States military so that they could deploy to Iraq or Afghanistan to provide stability for that country. I don't know one service member who did that. I don't know one person who went to Afghanistan and said, I'm so glad that I can be here to make sure that Afghanistan has a long, prosperous Mm. future. Right. We deploy as service members to go to places where Americans shouldn't be to deal with bad guys before they come to the United States. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's what we've done for the men and women who have deployed. uh, You know, we'll talk specifically of Afghanistan. We went there to kill a lot of bad guys who inflicted harm on Americans. We did that. We were successful. Your mission was a success. We went to capture the big bad guy, Osama bin Laden. We killed him. That was the right thing to do. Your mission was a success. Over the last 20 years, although it's been managed poorly and we could we could spend all day talking about that, yeah. the one thing that we do know has happened in the last 20 years is another attack on American soil has been prevented. And that's the problem with prevention. Um, you don't know if it's working or not. <laughs> well, we understand that we disrupted a terrorist network hell-bent on killing as many Americans in America as possible. They took a swipe at us. They got one shot, and it has not happened again. Mm-hmm. So should we have been there, whatever, if you served in the United States military and you were deployed to Afghanistan, what you did was protect American lives. Your time wasn't lost. 
It wasn't a waste. The friends, the uh, brothers and sisters that you know that died there did not die in vain. American lives were saved, and you can be very proud of that. Mm-hmm. That's good. I, I, sometimes I think of, you know, this, there's analogies in a number of different directions with this where we give ourselves to things sometimes um, in our families and businesses for a period of time. And, and it doesn't always turn out the way we were expecting sure. it to turn out. Um, and one of the ways God's taught that to us and, and our family is we did, uh, we've done foster care over the years. Yeah. And we've occasionally had these little ones come into our home um, for just really brief periods of time. You know, maybe a weekend, maybe a week, maybe a year. Um, yeah. and, and they're coming from really broken situations and they go and they're gone again. And, it, and, you, and you pour yourself out, you give yourself to this little one and then they're gone. Yeah. And you don't know if you'll ever see them again in your life. And you can feel at moments like, was that even worth it? Like mm-hmm. that little baby yeah. that we took for a week is never going to remember me. Right. But, but the thing that I remind myself of or remind my wife of and others is, yeah, but God saw it. That's yeah. Right. God saw it and God didn't miss a bit of it. Right. And he says, if you give a drink of cold water yep. to a little one in my name, you did it unto me. Um, that, you know, if, if God is counting all the cups of cold water, again, I, it's complicated in Afghanistan. It's, you know, the yeah. politics and everything else are um, a mess. And I, I, I think broadly think I agree with your, your sketch of things. I don't, I don't think we should have been there so long. I think we should have clear goals, all the rest of it. But to the extent that God allowed missionaries over there, to the extent that God exactly. allowed exactly right. service members to defend life and protect life, there were a bunch of cold water cups given mm-hmm. to little yep. ones mm-hmm. in Afghanistan. That's right. And many, you know, I know many servicemen are doing it in the name of Christ. Right. Um, yeah. doing the best they can with that. God sees that. Yeah. God sees that sacrifice. It's worth it. It's, it's blessed yeah. by him if he sees it. And that's, that should be good enough for us. It's, it's, his sto- it's his story. He's telling Your the point. story. That's an incredible point and exactly right. So when we separate ourselves from the politics and the decisions made by people um, who don't care about you know, God's plan in the world, um, I, I've been front and center to see thousands of service members who found themselves as 18, 19 year old kids in Afghanistan thinking about their own mortality for the first time in their lives, mm. yeah. except Jesus Christ as their savior. Amen. I mean, yeah. thousands of American kids in Afghanistan have accepted Christ. Wow. Um, and then, you know, as you say, we, as you said, and so well, um, we opened the door for missionaries for uh, churches for mm. uh, even those who are being evacuated right now. Um, you, yeah. you guys know our founder, Chad Robichaux, yeah. Yeah. Uh, very active right now in working with folks who are there to evacuate uh, many Afghans who will find themselves in places where they can hear the gospel clearly presented. Uh, God has a much bigger plan than we can see. That's and right. yes, if you have a biblical worldview as a service member, um, continue to have faith in God because that's where it should be. Amen. Jeremy, you give, know, us, give us a website real quick. MightyOaksPrograms.org MightyOaksPrograms.org I, I think Jeremy's becoming Presbyterian Because he's growing, growing a beard well, I you know, thought I mean, that. He's yeah. growing a beard I, I he, he got that stubble on there You, you call like, that a beard? <laughs> There's a Baptist beard right here so <laughs> Don't you insult Charles Spurgeon like that <laughs> He was Presbyterian He just didn't know it yeah. I try and hey. tell people If you're single get married If you're married have kids And if you have kids go baptize them Until Sunday Love God with all your heart Soul, mind and strength Love your neighbor as yourself Go fight, laugh and feast This is Cross Politics Thanks Jeremy Thank you Jeremy Thank you guys appreciate it